Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what makes them magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my my white devil, nutsack nail do a chair co-host, Alex Dandino. Coming in hot right off the bat. So... <laughs> We are, guys, in the midst of Halloween horror extravaganza. Uh, we have our body horror curation going strong. Uh, we got good ones coming up. Tuscan taxidermia still. Plenty of time to get in a fan submission. Uh, let us know what you'd like to see. Also, because it's Halloween and horror movies are the best, we're trying to bring you extra shit. That's what we're doing tonight. Um, and the theme we picked for our extras this month are movies that scared the shit out of us as kids. Uh, so on that accord, I picked a movie that terrified me and might be responsible for one of my biggest fears of all time. Uh, the movie, of course, is Wes Craven's Reverse Racism. I mean, The Serpent and the Rainbow. <laughs> I was going to say, are you? I was like, is Griffey about to reveal that he's a closet racist? This is going to be really uncomfortable for the rest of the show. <laughs> I can imagine there are a lot of those like uh, white fragility guys that watch this movie and they're like, see, see. <laughs> It's hard for us, too, guys. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, man. This I hadn't seen this movie in ages. It's fucking wild. What were your first takeaways from The Serpent and the Rainbow? I have also not seen this movie in quite some time, and I remember seeing it as a kid and being a little freaked out by what I saw because it was like a really quick scene. This movie might be the first one we've watched where I'm kind of like, some of this doesn't quite hold up. <laughs> <laughs> like i was kind of I, it's one of the we do a really good job of sort of just like i take my notes on my phone a lot of the time and throughout the film i did notice that i was not just taking notes but then also checking my emails and checking in with the uh, checking in with my wife and those kinds of things i saw it on the, i watched it on the road and i was like oh shit i really need to start paying more attention like this wasn't like like from beyond fucking grabbed me like i was like taking notes but at the same time i kept putting my phone down to just watch the movie this one i was like wow like this is just bizarre and it has nothing to do with like the story itself is really interesting like i like that voodoo shit like things are really fascinating like that to me because you know i've been down in new orleans and i've been around a lot of that stuff it's kind of interesting but i don't know what it is about bill pullman <laughs> I love Bill I love Bill Pullman, but I think he is oddly cast in this movie, so to speak. Don't you dare impugn Lone Star on this podcast. I love Bill Pullman, man. Bill Pullman is an actor who has this moment in every movie where he squints his eyes and he just looks up and goes, uh, like he has this like weird <laughs> weird exhale. But like that's that's what I, I I like Bill Pullman. He's a good actor, but I like Bill Pullman for like his Bill Pullman ness. This was a strange movie because like literally I, the entire time he's, he's screaming. Really, I think he's perfect in this. I I think he's one of the best. This is the thing, right? What I was struck by is there's huge chunks of this movie that I adore, and yeah. I, I disagree a little bit with you as far as like my viewing. There were times that I was like fully glued to the screen. What the fuck is happening? Right. right. Uh, the problem is is it also has this 
kind of Congo-esque political drama in the back yeah. that never actually makes sense to me at all. So the whole movie, I'm just like, wait, who? What's happening? I was like, <laughs> I was like there's some revolt and some guys enslaving some people. And oh, okay, like I never fully understood the gravity of the situation other than shit is going bad here. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so a lot of that, like when they when they got into the kind of real world stuff, I, I found my eyes rolling back in my head a little bit. Well, and I but think the that's probably where that have to do with this kind of a uh, stranger in a strange land setup, right? Where he's getting sucked into this culture that is so different right. and scary than ours, and being forced sure. to confront that a lot of the beliefs he holds um, don't matter here. Oh no, right? that, that part was and, all uh, very fascinating to me. Like that, of course. Like I again, yeah. like I said, I really enjoy that voodoo aspect and. The political stuff is probably more what I'm like tuning out from because the same was you. Like when we got in, when we were locking into stuff, then I'm like, all right, well, I mean, you know, now I'm like writing and now I'm like watching the movie. But also, like before I watched it, I was reading a lot of, I was honestly just reading a lot about it because I didn't know this was based on like actual some some of the stuff is like based on an actual story that comes from the from Haiti about some guy. Oh yeah, I actually have this book. Oh yeah, <laughs> see that's amazing to <laughs> it's, me. It's not like this per se. Oh, you don't you don't say it's it's not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not based in. Fact. No, uh, this is the thing, right? Is I I understand the political drama of it a little bit because it kind of adds to this overall sense of paranoia, right? You know, it gives every character this you know unreliable point of view where you never quite know who anyone is or where anyone stands, right? And it adds to the alienation of Bill Pullman, but it, it is a a trifle confusing at times. I think what's interesting again, too, like what this movie uh, is, about, right? Yeah. What this movie is, is just some of the great kind of horror set pieces. Sure. And so me Absolutely. as an older guy who saw this as a kid and was terrified, I look back and I just remember those things that scared the fuck out of me. Like images burned into my brain for my whole life. And most of them, Kind of held up for me. And then there was a scene that I had totally forgotten that will now scare me from this point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this was, uh, I think the thing I liked the most, the thing that I really enjoyed the most about this movie was knowing, knowing like the behind the scenes shit. Like it's fascinating to me because Wes Craven is like, Wes Craven's uh, again, like it's Wes Craven. Like you don't, there's nothing about him that's not masterful. And then when you watch this movie and you realize Wes Craven went into like war torn, like civil, like civil discourse disrupted Haiti to shoot this movie to the point like he stayed until literally the local government said, we cannot protect you if something terrible happens to you and your movie stars. And then they finally Wes Craven was Bill Pullman in real life. He was. No, seriously. <laughs> like that, like that's the stuff I really dig about like. Sometimes, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff is what sort of keeps you engaged. And that was the stuff that I was loving, was watching this movie, trying to figure out, like, all right, what parts? Because there's a lot of it that was shot in Haiti. Like, there's a lot of stuff that they just found on the fly. Like, um, there's, a, like, a bunch – anyone, like, who's actually doing um, acts of voodoo and that kind of thing, a lot of the time in the movie, apparently, they just found those guys on the street. Like, these are active people. Like, they're not – fucking around like i heard some story about uh i heard some story about i think it might have been the lighting tech or one of the gaffers or it was basically like oh you know i want to experience voodoo 
and some guy walked up to him and touched him on the shoulder and said, you already have. And apparently he had some freak out. And three days later, he wound up back in New York in the hospital. He woke up and all he was like he was in a coma. He woke up and all he could remember was the last thing that guy said to him and touched his shoulder. I'm like, that is fucking nuts, man. Like, that is fucking crazy urban legend shit for making this kind of movie. That's fucking cool. He's just like, did they remember the overtime on my time card? <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't tell them I'm dead. Like, that's that, that kind of thing. Union rules. <laughs> Union, uh, Union break. Uh, but that's what I mean. The, the world of this movie, and it, it's, it's a cool thing as an audience member, too, because it, it does, it takes an audience, and it feels like a very interesting and somewhat alien world that I've never really experienced for, right? I've never right. been to that that country and i would say one of the best things is that the people in the towns uh they feel very real it feels like bill like bill pullman is obviously kind of got this old you know african queen style like movie star appeal <laughs> he definitely and, like, he feels like he's thrown into this actual real and terrifying place he definitely has so that i like Bogart that part swagger. when the production adds to that that extra level of believability right me too yeah so I like the movie starts off with a really cool. This is the the concept of the movie, right? Is this old voodoo legend um, about the serpent and the rainbow, and the it goes as such: the serpent is the symbol of the earth, the rainbow the symbol of heaven. Between the two, all creatures must live and die. But because he has a soul, man can be trapped in a terrible place where death is only the beginning. Awesome intro. <laughs> title Perfect. card i always love movies that start with something to read till i kind of set the pace. do you really um oh i fucking love that dude I, I love the old like one one shot right like here's one fucking text screen you're gonna read that and that's your primer to the flick as long I as fucking as, love that i like that as i like that in older movies they've tried doing it in more in newer movies that i just i it's fucking i fucking despise it. you know why because a lot of the time they have an actor read the card, and I'm like, don't read it. I can read. I'm fine. Like, what, what are you doing? Okay, that's one thing. I don't like when it's like, here's a lo- line of abstract poetry. Right. It's like, give me like, I like I like a little brief synopsis right. of where I'm at. Well, like, like I, don't, I don't know why my brain is primed for that, but I liked reading this. I'm like, okay, now no, I but that's cool. get where we're at. That one's good, though, because it puts I guess you in the mindset. this is the abstract. This isn't what I'm talking about, right? Like, right. Uh, a Blade Runner or Running Man or something like that. I sure. think it starts you off with well, like, like a nice little. It gives you. It gives you literally all the information you need. Like like Event Horizon. We did Event Horizon. Event Horizon does this. Like it gives me all the information I need. I know that the Event Horizon went missing and now it's back and now we're here. Like that's and I think Serpent in the Rainbow. That's where I'd say like this is the exception for the title card. Like I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing. But I also think it's used in bad movies most of the time to like say, oh, God, well, <laughs> there's a bunch of exposition we're never going to get to explain. So here's a big fucking title card at the front of the movie so that we don't have to do any of it, even though they do well, it halfway awesome. through the movie anyways. Well, yeah, because they used to do it in movies where you're like, OK, guys, we know this won't make sense. Here's enough. Here's like a two second primer to like get your <laughs> right? brain in the headspace. Right. And yeah, I love it. This isn't that. This is more of the kind of. No, this you know, is flowery the, stuff that normally doesn't do it, but I. But love it's cool. This. But that's and then fun. We I jump like that. Right in to actual fucking voodoo. Yeah. Right. So we do that. The crazy skull face guy. We're doing guns, coffins. We're stabbing a guy in the eye to see if he's dead or not. 
And then we cut to Bill Pullman just fucking, you know, going Woodstock in this tense. <laughs> One for the road. And he's hallucinating jaguars and all this stuff. And I was like, what the actual fuck is happening, right? Right, right. And then it's like, so we do this quick, just like run through. We're going to do voodoo and drugs. Okay, now we're back to the office. And this is the part of the movie <laughs> that I never quite adjusted to, right? Apparently, Bill Pullman's job is he is the guy who goes and seeks out rare ingredients for a pharmaceutical company. Right. He's the medicine. So they man. get the deets that this guy we saw dead at the start, right? Poked in the eye and buried and all mm -hmm. that. That he's actually still alive. And they want to find out. Essentially, they want to harness the power of voodoo, you know, for the old blue hair Medicare crowd. Right. Well, yeah, they call it like a super anesthetic or something like that. Like, I'm like, wait, so you want people to be like awake while they do shit to you? Like, that's horrible. Like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm never, I'm not quite understanding what they want to do with. I don't the, know that they knew that much about it. Right. Right. I guess it's fine. Right. It, it sends him down on this. Look. It's, it's, it's weird because he's a headhunter, but he plays like a very altruistic scientist. But this is something we talk about a lot on the like when we talk about these kinds of things, especially in this, especially in this month. We've talked a lot about body horror and like anytime scientists or anything like that, this kind of thing comes up. What it is, is it's standing in the light of discovery. Like, that's what he is to me. Like, like what's his, his Den Dennis Allen, Dr. Allen. So like Dr. Allen essentially decides he's. It's standing in the light of discovery. It's not a matter of what it can do. It's we wants to see what if it actually works. Like I like that kind of thing. That's that's the altruism. That's like the that's that's being an actual scientist. That's not just going and saying I'm going to make a fuck ton of money. Even though obviously that's the main goal here. Yeah. See, Bill Pullman's character throughout the movie feels like he's kind of torn. And they talk about this right. If this zombification works, is this just some kind of like medical trick? Or is right. this proof of an actual soul? And I don't know that, that the way they describe it is actually that deep or interesting of a thought. No. It kind of feels like just a bad line of dialogue that seems <laughs> in-depth. But in the greater context of the movie, we're constantly doing this battle in Bill Pullman, right? Where is he just on this mission to kind of pillage this lesser society? Or is he going to embrace them as equals right there's always this kind of one foot in one foot out right and a lot of it is this this spiritual battle right like how do you combine what you believe is a scientist with what these people believe are these you know other spirits and greater greater gods right is this a trick or is this something more right and either way you look at it people in the movie are constantly weaponizing their opinion of that and right. it, it's 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 a fun extra layer in a movie that doesn't really need any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things where I see this is the part where I I like this stuff. Like this is the kind of part I like, but it's still like there's moments in this movie that just sort of lose me, and that's one of those situations <laughs> where I'm like, all right. I have to get some of this exposition out of the way before like really goofy shit starts happening. Like to me, like the minute he finds that dude zombified, essentially like that's where I clicked back in. I was like, all right, let's fucking do this, which is weird. I know. But like then I was back in for a little bit. Like that's how I don't know. I don't know. This, yeah. this is just how my brain works. Like 
I think I'm so used to, and like I'm accustomed to the point of watching these movies where I know the good, like I know a good first half hour of a movie is going to be mainly exposition. And I think that's the other thing too. And it's another reason I don't like type at the, like a title card at the beginning is because my eyes do glaze over a little <laughs> bit when people want to explain something to me. Granted, it's a little more flowery in this movie and it's different, but all the same, I'm sitting there and I'm going, all right, what is this telling me that I didn't already have to know? Like, well, what exactly is this guy? <laughs> what am I going? I think for? it makes me feel presidential, right? It's like my daily briefing. <laughs> or I'm just like, ah, oh, I feel very powerful. Like, you specifically needed to give me this information so I can garner more more clearly how I will decide this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just like it. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. It, it's kind of a slow start. Yeah. But they, they do like the weird dance you know, where we see that some of the zombified guys maybe have superhuman strength. Right. We meet our villain, who's this kind of gnarly old uh, secret police captain. He has a great line, though, uh, which is, be careful, uh, my friend. In Haiti, there are secrets we keep even from ourselves. Right. And I was like, fuck, that's so baller. I would love to say that to someone in, like, <laughs> maybe in, like, a bar fight scenario. We're like, oh, man, I'm about to have to throw fisticuffs. And you just say that to someone and see if it gets you out of it. <laughs> I think you're in a great situation. I think the next time the next time somebody comes and visits you in Indiana, that's what you need to tell them when you go to a bar. Like if they hear yeah. some, if they hear somebody like saying something inflammatory, you kind of like warn them like, hmm, there's some secrets we even keep. To but I got I got to go a little pet cemetery with this since we're Midwest. <laughs> <You know laughs> that's I mean? true. Hey, be careful in Indiana, y'all. Here there are secrets we don't even tell ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's not as it's not as cool. It's not as intimidating with non-broken English. I think you could probably do the but, sad like Herman Munster voice instead. <laughs> That'd probably work out just just work out much better, I think. <laughs> the secrets you put in yourself aren't what come back out, Sam. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of a weird like thirties gangster thing I gave him there at the end. That was good. I liked it. Like Cold it was, walk y'all. Like Cagney and Pet Cemetery, yeah, I'd watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, this is the thing. It's kind of this very discombobulated, messy start where they're trying to cram a lot of information in. Yeah. They're trying to show us he's a doctor, show us some of the town. But there's a great moment where he gets back to his hotel room after like a long day of doctoring. <laughs> and there's just fucking blood everywhere and a fucking dead cat. <laughs> and he's like, immediately he knows, oh, shit, I got to get out of here. And right. it was one of those, it just struck me so unusually because you're just kind of sitting there like, all right, I don't see any serpents. I don't see any rainbows. All right, we're talking again. We're talking, talking. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Something really horrible. <laughs> and from there, we kind of uh, rocket into the second act. This is where all the crazy shit starts yeah. to happen, right? Like, this is uh, where you're I locked back this in. Is when we, uh, <laughs> this is when we go to, we find the guy, Mo right, Mo who Mozart? can actually give us some voodoo shit. Mozart, right? Yeah, the cowboy hat, bro. <laughs> I fucking, I love that his. I don't know why, but the character named Mozart. I was like, that is fucking brilliant. God bless these. That people. guy is really fucking funny in the movie. He has a great arc in the movie. I love this character. The thing that struck me though that I loved is like, not only is he just kind of recreationally running cockfights and this and that, right? Uh, he's like, hey, I kind of have like Bill Pullman's kind of playing him, right? Right. Just to get a taste. I kind of hate this guy. I want to turn him into a zombie. And uh, Mozart just goes, no problem, $100. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's all it Doesn't take costs. a lot to turn people I'm into like, zombies in Haiti. Yeah, I was like, every single time I go to Target, I spend $100. And you're like, I could just be clipping my enemies for this. 
Oh, shit, dude. But then we find out it's actually 500 if you want the real fucking deal, right? No, it's 1000 But I noticed a cool Wait, movie the connection. This is... Yeah, because this is when he does the dust and he, he fakes it on the goat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did you notice that goat looks exactly like Black Phillip? <laughs> I think Mozart killed this motherfucker and he came back as a fucking demonic goat. This is where Black Phillip's origin story begins. Oh, no. I think Black Phillip origin story is the witch. I think Serpent of the Rainbow is the sequel. It's the Bla- Oh, this is Black Phillip still kicking it. Yeah, Black Phillip's. Yeah, this is Black Phillip 2 still kicking. That's what it is. Nice. Yeah, that's what the serpent. Yeah. <laughs> that was the original working title for the Serpent and the Rainbow, but they didn't want to get into that. So, yeah. B. Phil kicks again, <laughs> or weekend with Black Phillip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. But this is the so this is the thing about the movie, right? There aren't a lot of like to me. There aren't a lot of interesting in and outs of the plot because I never understood why the secret police want him out so bad. Other than that he's an outsider, but you're like, wouldn't they want him to find whatever and just send them a fuckload of money? Yeah. Isn't that how corrupt governments are supposed to work? Yeah. Haven't we already done that? Didn't we do that this week? Something like that? Yeah. Well, they... Exactly, right? Well, they're kind of just coming after him like he's a Wachucho Ocha of Ace Ventura fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, they're coming after him, but we go through this phase of cat and mouse where he's told he's not supposed to keep sciencing he keeps right. sciencing right literally everybody then, on the island tells the this guy get the fuck out of here right yeah because he just starts like hallucinating all right. the time so we do this weird thing where we just cut to a scene where there's just a caravan of hundreds of people walking through the goddamn jungle with candles <laughs> and they have a candle sleepover and he sees this zombified bride and a snake's coming out of her mouth and I'm watching, I'm like, no fucking shit this movie scared the fuck out of me as a kid. Yeah. Because not only, I think as a little kid, right? And I don't think it's even a racism thing. It's just a little boy in Indiana, there's no possible way that everything just felt different and scary and not what I knew. I think you know, it, it sets you in a place to be uncomfortable all the time. Because, I mean, honest to God, I saw this when I was probably six years old. Right. But And it just... Everything about this movie scared me. Like, the zombie bride with a snake mouth or whatever is pretty fucking obvious. But honestly, that police captain is fucking terrifying, too. I think it's... Yeah, and I don't think it has anything to do with... what you're. I, I think it has to do with the otherness. Like, when you're a Midwestern kid watching this kind of movie, like, the furthest thing from your mind is, well, one day I'll wind up in Haiti. Like, literally, it's one of those things where you're like, what if this is... What it's the it's the otherworldliness of it all. Like it's the unknowable. Yeah. That's the scary thing. Well, it's funny, yeah, because like as a little kid to me, this was the same as Oz. It was just like a scarier Oz, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, oh, there's just a place where you can be a zombie and they'll murder a goat. Right. Uh you know, for a couple shekels. People <laughs> just fucking sleep on the floor of the jungle while zombie women are running around. Uh Terrifying. the police will just murder you. Yeah. It's a fucking there's everything for is, like a hundred bucks scary. Yeah, and you see it as a kid, and I, I was like, what the fuck? But what really fucking scared me as a kid is still to come. But before we get there, there is one thing I had to say. The concept of the congregation through the jungle walking to that tiny healing water pool. Yeah. I watched this, and there were a ton of people swimming in it. And the water did not look very clean. I was like, your holy water is 50% pee. <laughs> <laughs> for sure i watched all these people jumping in and they're like rejuvenated oh we're swimming in the holy waters i'm like everyone is peeing in there yeah everybody for pees sure. in that water because <laughs> they they go from that straight into like 
a love making scene. Yeah. This is the slow mo o. You know what I mean? Ah. It's like uh, a. It's like a. It's a p orgy, pretty much. Yeah, like, exactly right. It's just <laughs> man, just everybody. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's <laughs> just it's not a thing. But come on, man. Like you know that water is just the dirtiest thing ever. No one should be jumping out of that going, yeah. Everyone should be jumping out of that going, I need some antiseptic ointment, like, literally right well, now. Well, that's what I mean. I was like, it's not healing water. You get out, and you're like, help! I need yeah. healing! Help! 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 MRSA! <laughs> I mean, they don't have chlorine there. Right, right. I don't even know that chlorine defeats pee. That's been a debate <laughs> for a long time about peeing in pools. <laughs> you know, the chlorine will kill it. No, it won't. Right. Oh, I was, I was struck. I was like, that's the saddest holy ritual i've ever seen in my life. were you a peer did you pee in the did you pee in bed or did you pee in the pool when i was a kid yeah every fucking time <laughs> i would almost i got so bad when i was like less than 10 years old i would almost hold it specifically to get to the pool to pee in the pool see after i saw it felt there is something magical about the feeling of being in the cold water in the pee in the mesh and kind of swimming it out of your pants. Sure. There was something magical about that to me as a kid. Now, as I got older, I became disgusted by myself and worried that someday someone would catch on to my, my vandalism. I had and true... I quit cold turkey. Honest. Hand to God. <laughs> After watching uh, that episode of Pete and Pete where they have the wee-wee sea in the pool, I had true fear that if I leaked uh, that so there was wee-wee sea in the pool, everyone would know I peed. Yeah, right. <laughs> For sure, uh, Off topic. Next thing. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, that's that's a real that was a really sad moment. Um, right. <clears throat> from here though, this is where we get to the scene that now, as an adult, maybe scares me the most. The secret police catch this motherfucker, and they're right. like, "We have warned you time and time again. Get the fuck out of and here!" And the secret police captain is a fucking awesome villain. It's it's really a very good sinister role he turns in. He has this disgusting. Ability to just have this slow, ominous smile yeah, yeah, creep across his face. He plays it so good, but this is the scene where Bill Pullman wakes up and he's just on a chair. Oh, And they, they get out a blowtorch and this and that, but what they honestly are doing, and he's kind of trying to make the deal, right? Like, I'll give you money, I'll give you money. And the guy just says, I just want to hear you scream. And they fucking nail Bill Pullman to the chair through his fucking scrotum. Oh, they just oh. nail him to that fucking chair. <laughs> and I was like, it's such a simple, it's not elaborate. It's not some kind of contraption. It's just simple, visceral pain yeah. that my body could not help but empathize <laughs> with. <laughs> I think that's the thing when you're, a, I mean, when you're a kid and especially now when you're an adult too, like that's the thing I respect so much about like what, the, like the fear that this movie um, provokes in people is simple stuff like it's uh claustrophobia that like just like simple pain like that like something as mundane like, it's not mundane to us but like think of like all the elaborate murders we've seen in movies over the years think of something as mundane as stabbing a nail through someone's balls you're like well that's yeah. pretty like that's pretty that's pretty mellow in comparison but somehow in the context of that movie that becomes so much more terrifying on like well, it's, several it's one of those scenes where all of the elements start to spiral together, right? It says right. Uh, the police aren't actually good guys protecting you. 
you're a stranger in a strange land with no help in sight. No one cares or knows what you're up to necessarily. Right. Well, um, this- yeah, and then just the simple loss of self. This movie, because this is the thing, the end of the movie devolves back into this kind of misguided, you know, plots of, oh, I need the drug, oh, I'm here for love, whatever. <laughs> you know, the government's collapsing. None of it really sticks out. But they constantly are throwing in these awesome horse set pieces, yeah. right? So after he escapes, he's still undaunted. Like, he's climbing through the jungle and falls, and he's like, oh, my ball's still hurt, but, you know, it's cool. And I'm like, dude, there's two holes in your scrotum. Stop <laughs> climbing the jungle. Like, your your war is over, sir. Right, yeah. But he goes out, and this is where uh, Mozart is going to help him. And essentially, they use an actual coffin as the cauldron to yeah. make this voodoo dust or whatever. I mean, it's just but perfect. But here is where it starts to get heavy. Yeah. Right. Cause, and this is something I didn't fully understand, right? So to make a zombie, you make this dust, give them the dust, and then you keep a jar of some other dust, and that allows you to have the power over them. I believe. So I'm not exactly sure how all of that works. That was my. But what that we was start my to understanding. Get into, yeah, but what we get into is actually even scarier than that, right? Because this is the scene that I think everyone remembers that is so fucking scary. It's kind of a throwback to that opening scene when he's tripping balls and sees the jaguar. His spirit animal. Right. Uh, when he's being pulled down through the earth by all the fucking muddy hands, which is so fucking scary. Ugh. But this is the scene when he's in the cottage, right? Like the little beach cabana, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And this is when the guy looks down on him, right? The captain looks down on him and the the bed and the cabin start to become a grave. And then he's trapped in a coffin with an open cross Ugh. above his face. And then he can't get out. He's being buried alive. And then his blood is pouring in all over. Oh the my coffin. god! That is like the that image when I, that was the scene I saw when I was a kid that scared the fucking shit out of me. Like yeah, because it me, was that. That's like the shot I've seen in all my nightmares through every year of my time. Because it's a combination of two fears, which is claustrophobia and drowning. Like the, those two things might like scare the shit out of me the most. And on top of all that, being buried alive like that oh, that is terrifying. Yeah. I I mean, everything about that, and this is the thing, this movie, while narratively is a little bit loose and distracting at times, sure. when it is on, it's really good. Like, the scary parts are really fucking terrifying. Yeah. I'm the most claustrophobic of it. Like, that and heights are my two fears that just cripple me. I know. And that scene, like, I almost have to leave the room. It's so fucking intense and scary to me. You know, it's funny. Yeah, and But the other thing that's funny is they introduced this kind of crazy power, which is Wes Craven essentially is making this guy like Freddy Krueger Jr. Yeah. The captain yeah. can dreamwalk. And that's just something that kind of gets glossed over in the movie, that he can dreamwalk and reach across distances to still fuck with people. It's really interesting. Like you see it later when Bill Pullman gets back to America, right? Right. They actually... In, like, the worst secret police move ever, they just throw him on an airplane back to his fucking waspy-ass life instead of just voodooing his ass right there. Oh, you he think- goes back to the dinner party, and the fucking lady goes all uh, Linda ba- Linda Blair. Yeah, and yeah. starts fucking eating glass and freaking out because the captain can still fuck with him See, all the way across continents. See, like, for a minute there, when they threw him back on the plane, I was like, oh, is he just going to, like, start e-? like. Because I had forgotten a lot, but, like, I remember when I saw it as a kid thinking, like, oh, is he going to go back on the plane and, like, eat people? And he's going to, like, carry the zombie virus or something like that. 
Like, I thought that's where the... I thought... Because, I mean, you know, when you see stuff like that and people start saying the word zombie, you start thinking infection and that kind of thing. But... Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything... I, I, I love that dinner scene, though. Like, that whole part where, like... That whole part where the wife is, like, freaking out. Oh, my God. I, but this is... That's a cool thing the movie does, too, is this is one of the first scenes that... Although those people are obviously, like, kind of uppity rich you know stuff stuff shirt types right right it's one of the first scenes that feels probably familiar to most of the audience and they bring the fear there right like you can't escape it you're not back in the real world and all of a sudden oh yeah the science takes over again and i'm good it's still fucking following yeah. him and haunting him see right? i think this, that's this the thing that always experience of the uncovered truth that's the thing that always scared me is like when something can follow you home like that like that's the thing that screw that's I mean, the first time I saw Paranormal Activity, I didn't sleep with like the lights on without the lights on for like a week because they never said it was oh, a, yeah. it wasn't a ghost thing. It was a demon. I'm like, holy shit, that shit follows you. Like, that's the kind of thing that scares me. Like, that's the stuff that really gets me going is like, oh, my God, like something I can't let go of something by leaving the location it's at. It follows me out. That's the scariest part of the whole fucking movie is that this is a terror that follows you everywhere. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you you have no ability to stop any of it, right? And, and this man of science finds himself caught in this war of mysticism. And yeah, it, it's funny you say that, right? This movie is probably the truest to the actual roots of zombie literature. Right. Right, where the, the original concept of zombies came out of slave revolts in Haiti and this and that. This yeah, yeah. fear of these kind of masses of mindless marauders is the... You know, these fucking plantation owners were always like, oh, fuck, I hope all these people don't turn on me and murder me. Right, right. Which, you know, rightly, they, they should have been fucking scared <laughs> of that. Um, right. And so this one actually does, the zombie in this movie is more an actual slave than a zombie, right? This is, someone has taken complete control over you, and they're going to work you like a fucking puppet. Right. Right? But, and not that even like is actually scarier to me than becoming... Because if I die and I'm reanimated as a zombie, who fuck it? That doesn't do anything to me. But not even like a right? puppet. But the like fact that's that the thing someone that I, can fucking enslave my mind and body. That, that's scary. That's the thing that makes the movie really scary, though. It's not even like a puppet. Like, you're not getting worked over like a voodoo doll or something like that. Like, what's going on with Alan is he's getting worked over. He's getting worked over in the way, like, like by fear. That's the thing that's really freaky. Is like it's not a matter of like oh like he goes back to Haiti after all this you know like and that's where like he gets right. the that's when he gets the powder sprayed in his face and all that but like he oh goes, my god that shot when he's laying on the dirt right because he's storming around and all the Haitian people are like yeah pulling back from him aghast yeah yeah as he he's de- like dying and he just says don't let them bury me don't in this POV shot and it is so fucking gut wrenching oh dude it's terrifying. But like, but yeah, because that's, that's the thing. He obviously is using some of his zombies to carry out his deeds. Right. But yeah, with with Bill Pullman's character, it feels specifically like, a, oh, you're just like my little toy. Well, yeah, like that's what I like the most is it's not about it's about fucking with people. It's not about controlling them. Like, that's why that guy is such a great villain. Like the, he is he's perennially like this is not a matter of like. The matter of revenge is sort of subservient to the matter of this, like, sort of strange justice. Like, I told you to leave. I told you to leave. I told you to leave. Fine. If you're not going to leave, you're going to stay here for fucking ever. Like, that's the kind of thing that I like is it's not 
it's the fear of it's the fear of the unknown mixed with like this fear of fear of unwillingness almost. I don't know how else to describe it. Like it's the fear that someone it's the fear that someone else has control over your actions, not control over your body necessarily, but control over you in a way that you can't perceive. That's the part that's really scary. That's I mean, the part that, that I like. Yeah, though. that's that the shackles of mind, body, even in his dreams, this guy fucking haunts him. Yeah. I mean, Bill Pullman actually gets buried alive for real. And the guy just puts a fucking tarantula oh. in the box as an extra fuck you. Oh, it's, God. It's just, it's fucking horrific. And then, but that's what I mean. That's probably like the last like truly scary scene. Then it kind of devolves to uh, the riot is occurring. Bill Pullman goes to face down. They have that awesome shot of the hallway full of all these zombie and voodoo abominations, like yeah. the long, disgusting, grotesque arms. Yeah, that kinda part. Demon arms. Right. They have like... a bit of a, a big trouble in Little China magical battle. <laughs> right. I even love the thought that at the end when Bill Pullman is he like channels the inner fighter Jaguar. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy yeah like like the whole the whole basement fight and all that is just like the zaniest like guys we just got to wrap this up yeah i think that's it the thing a like, guy in a box we need a little pizzazz you can see him in the background just waving their fingers like come on guys we got to go like this has got to be over with soon like that's i think that's the that's another part where the movie kind of loses me and i'm not really but that's because that's like a very but it's interesting because that's a very typical west craven like third act thing is you know when the pe- when the regular people get to fight back like when you fight back against freddy or fight back ag- fight back against the killer from scream or whatever you know like that's something yeah that the w- kids that raped and murdered your daughter for sure yeah like that <laughs> but that's like that's what west craven does but it's interesting because in this movie it almost feels a little unearned like i feel like i feel like the captain should kind of win personally like I- i'm not rooting for bill pullman at the end of this movie at all like he was told well, to go a million like, times yeah. at a certain point. It feels like he's not on his mission anymore in the movie. Yeah. And this has just become a, now he is just a moth to flame, right? In this world, he doesn't quite comprehend. Right. And it scares him, but it a little bit titillates him in a way, right? <laughs> the danger and the adventure. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't mind, you know, like the, the guy being burnt to a crisp and then they're throwing punches and, he falls into the scrotum chair and gets sucked to hell. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, that's that's all fine. It's it's fun games. Sure. But to me, it lacks. It's just the start and the end are just kind of these bookends that just kind of exist. Yeah. Right. Like this isn't the strongest narrative of any movie we've covered. But that middle portion of the movie is so fucking filled with actually horrific concepts and set pieces. Right. That. I mean, it stuck with me for 30-some years, almost 30-some years. I've been terrified of this movie. Yeah. And when I watched it again now as an older guy, it's still fucking scary to me. I like, think everything that, that happens in that second act is still truly terror-inducing to me. Sure. I mean, I think that's that's what this movie is. Like, the reason this movie stands the test of time and the reason this movie is, uh, uh, you know, we picked it not just because it scared you as a kid, but because of this sort of alchemy it has is because within the two bookends of exposition that you get on either side of this movie, what you get in the middle is true, like, examination of not just, like, voodoo or anything like that, but, like, real fucking terror, man. Like, you're a kid. Yeah. You're watching this. 
You're telling me, like, not, what, the top five fears people have are located directly in the middle portion of this film. Like, it's literally being buried alive, drowning, spiders, like, like, I mean, it's insane. (laughs) I mean, all they had to add was public speaking, and this would happen. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, all they had to add was Bill Pullman, after he's been zombified, has to stand up and give a speech on, like, NATO, (laughs) and that's it. He has to get up to the people watching the cockfights. Um, excuse me, my name is Bill. <laughs> Hello. No, Hello? but but that's what I mean, right? This movie is scary in mind because the captain is a fucking Freddy Krueger Jr. He's a dreamwalker. Yeah. Um, the loss of self, the loss of body, um, confinement. So it's it's mind, heart, soul, politics, culture on every fucking level of existence. Yeah. This movie is just fucking terrifying. And it and it does it it gets back to the opening, you know, little you know, idea, which is the difference between us, right? Why we are more a victim of just serpent or rainbow is because of our soul. Right. Because that there's a part of us that exists separate of the flesh, that we are susceptible to more horrific suffering. If someone is so inclined, like this fucking evil captain in this movie. Right. Um, and yeah, to me, this this movie presents things that are as scary as anything else. The movie itself as a whole is not, you know, as, as good as that middle portion of the film is. Sure. But that middle portion of the film is still that exciting where it's worth watching. I would never say a movie yeah. you watch on this show, maybe save for humanoids has not been worth watching so i would totally watch this movie. i mean i would i would make a guy gets his nutsack nailed to a chair and then in revenge nails another guy's nutsack to a chair so hardcore that the guy is then sent in the chair down to hell that's (laughs) worth watching even in the third act which is not phenomenal that (laughs) scene is super kick-ass you're not wrong there's a lot of fun like again it's Wes Craven like he's the master of great set pieces he's the master of great horror like you know it's but this this to me is very Wes Craven in that he always was a little more interested in the mysticism and kind of eastern philosophies right that's where his kind of concepts for Nightmare on Elm Street came from and so this movie dabbles in that but is so fucking rooted to a world that feels actually real and a part of our our world even if it's unfamiliar to us right it feels very real so the world is this kind of you know stage for this obvious movie star bill pullman and these obvious kind of you know demons in the basement effects at times right is a weird mix, but it all works really well to me. Yeah. And the thing is, with horror movies especially, you know, as a political thriller, does this work? No. <laughs> but what? As a movie that just gives you your money's worth and fucking scares you and will stay with you, does it work? Yes, I sure. think it does. And that's that's the greatest accomplishment. That's the fucking feat. I mean, you know. At its core, it should be all the president's men, a deep, deep state political thriller. But nevertheless, <laughs> no, I agree with you 100 percent. I think, yeah, it's it's a uh, framework is not sound. But at the same time, like the guts are where really the movie becomes the movie. And again, that, yeah. that second acts, you know, you can put it up against any other horror film. You're looking at a great movie. So 
Watch yeah. it. This part is Godfather 2 in Cuba with voodoo <laughs> and scrotum nailing. Come on, it's great. And the, that should have been on the poster. <laughs> and on the other sides, you got like, you know, the boring parts of the actual, the original Godfather. Well, you know, the long drawn out shit. <laughs> That's right. I said it. I'm Italian. I can say the Godfather was boring if it wasn't. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm not going to step into that pizza pie. <laughs> no <laughs> <way>. <laughs> Italian burn. That's it, guys. Serpent in the rainbow. Grab a friend. Make sure that you don't get trapped, buried beneath the earth by yourself. Yeah. Uh, watch Serpent and the Rainbow and then share the show with them. That's how we want to bring more people in. The more that you guys communicate with us and help us share the show, the more we can get this conversation revved up where we can find more interesting and different and hopefully new movies uh, that we can all enjoy together, man. That's our that's our ideal dream for the show is to build this kind of film community where we can all share these wacky scrotum nail and gems that we find um really we are that. on spotify itunes all the places you want to find podcasts if where you find us allows you to please take a second rate and review the show please. it does help us a lot even if you find us somewhere where you can't rate and review we are on social media twitter instagram facebook Follow us, share the pages on your social pages so we can infect and fucking get to all your friends, man. Turn them into zombies of the alchemist. Hell yeah. Uh, all of these things are, are very easy and simple, not time consuming, but they mean the absolute world to us uh, as a new show. Would really appreciate your help here, folks, because I can't be buried alive. Sorry, it just can't happen. <laughs> we don't want the pod to be buried alive. Help us. <laughs> don't bury me i'm not dead yeah yeah don't don't fucking bury me alive like actually i'd rather be you know oh god i can't even i'd rather eat buttholes until i died of a heart attack than be buried alive <laughs> like the dirtiest buttholes like anything else would be better than that i like scene the, in that movie i like the me. idea that eating too much butthole gives you a heart attack that is a really fascinating idea <laughs> I'm just like really sweaty and I'm like, my lapping speed's going down. It's like speed. You have to lap X amount of times or you explode. <laughs> this is gross. That's it uh, for the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Always voodoo with the friend, people. <laughs> <laughs>